Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Nate Moyer and Ernest Watts, otherwise known affectionately as the Odd Couple. The Odd Couple because they take different slants. That sounds really cheesy to say. And their age difference is enough that, Nate, could you be Ernest's lost love child? I That's that's weird. I was going to say we were born in different centuries. Maybe that's why we're the odd couple, right? Ernest was born in the 1800s. I was born in the 1900s. I was going to say, were you under 19 years old? That's what I was trying to figure out. No, 50s. Child of the 50s. Right. Well, anyways, we're going to talk sports tonight and some random stuff as well. Um, hope we're going to give you a little entertainment, a little diversion. We're all suffering, as Ernest says, from a mild form of depression. The whole country. Is that right, psychologist low, Ernest? We have low-grade depression. Low-grade. Oh, that's and it. Then, and then the losses that we've had this last week. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman, uh, John Thompson, Clifford Robinson, uh, particularly in the sports and entertainment field. It, it's been a rough week. All right. So, so we're going to So now that was the down note. Now we have nowhere to right. go but up. Well, let me up, go up, up. up. Let's go off the topic just for a second because I know when I listen to a podcast, I like a little cultural references, a little insight information about the people I'm about to listen to while I do something fun or I'm working around the house. And so the funniest movie that you think of that you've seen in the last 5 years. And Ernest will start with you because before COVID hit us all, you are the man at the movies. You would go to a movie almost every week. So the funniest movie in the last five years. Funniest movie in the last five years. When did the interview come out? When was that? That was I really liked that. You're you talking mean about with a Seth Rogen and yeah, Franco, and, and, the guy you should not name Franco, anymore. Yeah, the the when they go to the interview uh, in South Korea. Yes. I really love that movie. Uh, I like the what's the one they did about the, the uh, food uh, uh, condiments in the. Uh, both of them did in the uh, it's animated. I cannot remember the name. Oh, Wiener of the, Town or something. Oh, was yeah, it Sausage. Yeah. Sausage Party. That's it. Uh, which has a fundamental message. Are you an eighth religion. grader, Ernest? What are you talking oh, about? Well, pretty much, yes. Yeah, that type of humor I like. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed those. Of course, you know the real classics or Blazing Saddles. No, and, no, five tro- years. No, 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 no. Not the black and white or talkies. Not black and white films. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Tropic, how, how, Tropic Thunder was no, 12 years No, no, that's, like, that's long. All right, Yeah, Sausage Party and the interview were really good. I, 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 just I'm one. Just one, Ernest. All right, uh, we'll go with uh, Sausage Party. Okay. Sausage Party. All right. yeah, I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think of 2000. I was trying to think. We were just quoting the other day Anchorman. Ooh, no, that's, I think that's, Anchorman's too. That's like got to be two thousand six. Yeah, that's or that's that's. The but the new Anchorman, the Anch- the new one, one was. Uh, Anchorman two is not great. The, the only good one about the th- is the fight in Central Park at the end. Where yes. they have everybody. Harrison Ford, that was good. And uh, yeah, I mean Liam Neeson and the ghost of Stonewall Jackson. Stonewall Jackson. Yeah, I I don't know. I was trying to think. Uh, Step Brothers. We were talking about the other day. My name. That's ten years old. That's yeah. ten. But wow. I, I got some neighbors. We got some neighbors that are moving from across the street. We really like them. So the other side of the house, we were kind of chatting because we don't want them to move. So we were talking about what we could do to get them to stay. And um, you know, we were talking about the movie Step Brothers, and they're going to pretend to have an argument every time somebody comes out. And I was saying we could put like a whole bunch of like Trump 2020, just like 50 different things out in front of the house, right? Because we're out here in Connecticut um, just to get people turned off so they wouldn't buy the house. But Step Brothers is what we were quoting, thinking about, but. 
the last five years, I don't know. My my kids are five and are uh, <laughs> six and four. So yeah. I haven't you really. Watched. Are you gonna say Boss Baby there, Nate? What are you gonna say? I watched that. That wasn't bad. That had some funny lines, but, but um, I don't know. We haven't really gone to the movies in so long. I know. It's so pre pre COVID, we didn't go to. You no, know, ever since Owen Wilson to kill himself. And 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 let me see. I mean, Robin Williams died. Jim Carrey has gone off to some. Ernest, we're trying area. to be positive here. Give I know, us a rest no, for a, a moment. No good, good. You know, and as we're talking right now, we just found out Tom Seaver died. Died at seventy-five. Oh, man. Yeah, he had he had dementia. Podcast. He had. There was a great article before Sports Illustrated became a monthly, where all of his ex-teammates, uh, Ron Swoboda. Jerry Kuzman and Jerry Kuzman did time for an IRS thing, but they all went to visit him one last time, and he suffered from very severe dementia. And he is more of my time period. He was Mister America, and they went to visit. And luckily, he had a good day. Uh, but but he this is not exactly breaking news. I mean, he's been suffering from a long. It was kind of like Brooks Robinson. I expect to hear about Brooks Robinson any day now. All right. You know what? Th- I got a I got a funny movie. I was trying to think of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Save us. Go some, we got to go somewhere positive. So it's the one with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are police officers. Um, it's based in New the York. The other guys. The other guys. guys. That was That's really seven years that. ago. That was seven? seven years ago. Yes. I think there were some great parts in that, Paul. There was. Um, we need comedy. He he shoots his gun off in the office because it's called a desk pop. <laughs> and all the guys got him to do it, and so the the sergeant takes away his weapon and he gives him a wooden, a wooden, <laughs> wooden weapon. Gun. It's it's just shaped like a wood. That's what he's got to hold. Now tell him who the sergeant shirt. is. Tell him who the sergeant it's, is. Uh, Michael Keaton, right? The, uh, and he and he keeps quoting, uh, uh, not salt and pepper. One of the what is one of the TLC. rap group TLC. Waterfall. Yeah. And the greatest part of the movie is it starts off with Samuel Jackson and The Rock as these superstar yes, cops. That's right. And they be, this is not a spoiler alert because it's a seven-year-old movie. They become so full of themselves, they think that they can jump off a building and survive. And boom, they don't. And that's they the first don't. five minutes of the movie. Yeah, there's some great I, highly recommend it. That is a very, very good movie. But. When he's got, he's got, so he's a police officer and he's got um, a Prius. <laughs> okay, I got I got one anyway, for great, you. I got one for you that is hilarious, and that's Jojo Rabbit, which was a, a nominated for an Academy Award film. Really, a, a, a movie. I know the story is about a young man growing up in Hitler Nazi Germany, and that's right. what you're gonna pick. And he has an imaginary Hitler that follows him around, kind of like Harvey the Rabbit. Mm-hmm. They don't it know is who hilarious. Harvey the Rabbit is unless okay. they're over it, sixty. Well, that's true. And they don't even know who Jimmy Stewart is. But it is a funny, funny All right, movie. let me give you my movie. Let's get to sports. Okay. Chop. Um Ruin this section. Why not? <laughs> so the uh, first movie came to mind. It's not the funniest of all times, but two years ago or three years ago, the first Jumanji movie with The Rock and Kevin Black and Kevin Johnson or, yeah, those guys. It was pretty good. It wasn't the greatest ever, but it was good. So, guys, I asked you for tonight for sports because we got all the sports going on. Pop, 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 pop. Even soccer and the crown prince of soccer, my son, made sure that we might say it again tonight. But I've asked you guys to bring one sports topic each to get us going here. And, Ernest, since you are always ready to talk sports, what is your sports topic of the night? 
Oh, can you not dig the NBA? We just got rid of one of the best first-round series as we saw Mitchell and Murray battle Utah versus Denver. And even though the Game 7 was a sloppy game, what a great finish. Two blown layups. A three-pointer would have won, won it. And Michael Conley that rims out of the lane. You had Jamal Murray averaged for three games. Well, I didn't average. He scored 96 points in three games. Did not have a turnover Whoa. for game four, five, and six. That's And these are two guys that, that competed at high school. They went to the second biggest rivalry in the NCAA, Louisville and Kentucky. And I got to be honest with you, when they were in college, uh, and I saw a lot of Mitchell play for Louisville, he did not impress me. I mean, I actually... I really wanted the Hornets to pick Monk instead of Mitchell. They passed Mitchell and were suffering because of that. Uh, and Murray, I thought, was just another one of Kentucky's gunners. But they have both shown talented players that, that are, you know, they're both under the age of 22. And you look at Aiton down in, in Phoenix. Had to throw that out for you, Nate. Sorry. And you look at some of the young talent that's out, Zion and everything, the NBA is going to be in good shape for the next 10 years. There's a lot of young talent because when LeBron walks away in two to three years, you know, there's not going to be another LeBron, but there's going to be talent everywhere. It's going to be more competitive. It's going to be like the 90s when you're going to have six or seven teams that can be viable uh, uh, viable to the talent, to the teams. DeAndre Eaton's kind of a sore subject because every time we talk about him, every Suns fan thinks, why didn't we pick up Doncic? So, because we had the number one pick that year. And that well, was, I, I, mean, I wasn't. Anyway, that's who we picked. I wasn't but that's, so every time you say Aiton, it just brings up that memory because we had the coach that coached Doncic in the overseas ball, and he knew it. And I think he lobbied for Doncic, and then they said, no, we got to take Aiton because he went to U of A, which is in Tucson, which is two hours south of where the Suns play. Um, and well, that, that was the traditional thought date. I mean, there's still some teams that have not embraced the three pointer as, as the, the central drive to the offense. And I still think you got to get a big man. I yep. mean, you look at the I, upcoming draft, it, there's going to be a center picked, maybe one center pick in the first round of the next NBA draft, because the legitimate center parked under the rim is, is, is not, part of the NBA basketball. You had the, the kid that played for uh, Kansas, seven foot two, who has a wingspan of seven seven, and he may not even get drafted in the second round. I mean it's new basketball is yeah. is is the three and three and go. Three wing player that shoots the three, that's what you want in the NBA now. So it started with uh D'Antoni and the Suns, mm -hmm. the early two thousand Suns with Steve Nash. Yeah, 15, four, 13 seconds or less. Yep. That, was his offense. that was a lot of fun to watch. I got to be honest. I'm so devastated. That was a precursor. But, you know, the problem with that is, and you see it at Houston, and they got a big game tonight. And those of you listening will know the score before we will right now. Uh, and that's a great matchup because you got Chris Paul, who was traded for Westbrook, and, and now they're facing each other. Uh, that kind of offense, if you don't have any big men whatsoever, it's kind of like the Oakland A's during the regular season. You win a lot of games, but in playoff season, right. you, you it's it's a dud. It really is not. They got you to have some post finals. They got to the Western Conference Finals, but they've never won. And in, they get into a game like when they did against the Warriors when they went zero and eighteen shooting threes in the third and fourth period in Game Six when they had a three to two game lead. Then you're going to wind up, 
You know, you, you die but live by the three, three by the, live by the three. But if you push it, you have timing, and you spread the ball, and you move it around, and then you open it up inside for somebody to be one and one. That's the new NBA. I sound like David, don't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's so right. it's been um, it's been kind of you know I haven't watched as much of it as I'd like. Uh, I've kind of watched more hockey, a little baseball. Um, I think I was a little bummed that the Suns didn't make it. I wasn't expecting much out of the Suns, but they went undefeated in the bubble, and they still didn't get the eight seed, which was kind of a bummer. You got even the, the playing game, even the playing game, right? But it's it's tough when you go undefeated. They played so well; they're probably playing the best of any team. Were they going to win the win championship? No, but could they have given the Lakers a run for their money? Maybe if they were playing at the caliber they were. I think they were focused in the bubble. I think they didn't have any of the distractions that you can be when you're a young team when you go outside the arena. Um, you know, going partying and stuff like that. They couldn't do that. So they were focused. Monty Williams did a fantastic job getting him focused. And uh, obviously Booker went went nuts, but the Suns as, as a whole played really well. They weren't beating nobody. They beat the Clippers. They beat, I mean, they're beating good teams out there. Um, but you got the best of both worlds. I mean, you got a bunch of young kids who leave, were undefeated. They didn't get mashed in a, in a playoff series. But they would have had the experience if they did, even if they, they lost. They're going to get a lottery pick. experience. They they ran the table. They feel good about themselves. They're going to get a lottery pick. Yeah. I mean, that's so, the best uh, of both worlds. No, I'm, I'm, they weren't going to beat the Lakers. No, but they could have given, you know, they might scare them for a game or two. And um, But, I mean, Lillard was, you know, Dame was, you know, he was awesome. So that's that was that was a little tough to swallow because I wasn't expecting much. Then it was like, oh, my gosh, they might actually get in this thing as the, you know, 8-9 matchup. That would be kind of cool. But uh, I think after that I was kind of like, eh. You know, I kind of turned me off a little bit because I was very excited during the bubble starting with the Suns doing so well, and then I kind of lost a little bit. Um, I'm still going to still watch, but I just kind of haven't been in. I've been watching more of the hockey, which has been a lot of fun in their bubble, but I know we're talking about Ernest, the NBA, so let's make yeah, sure we yeah. call a minute. Before Talk we transition into that, uh, I have a I have a strange thing, and y'all can tell me I'm crazy about this. I think the Celtics, I know the tel- Celtics are less talented with Gordon Hayward out, but I think they're a better team with Hayward out. Right now, and I know I picked Toronto, but but Kyle Lowry's injury, ankle injury, has made him immobile. I mean, he has no lift. So I'm pretty sure the Celtics are going to take out, and there may be a four-game sweep, they're going to take out the Raptors. And I'm pretty sure the Heat are going to take the Bucks out because that's a, bad, so, yeah. that's a bad matchup because as good a defensively as Milwaukee is, they were the worst team in guarding the three. And that's the one thing that Miami – uh, shout out to a former my uh, UM player there. Okay, Paul, go ahead say his name. Uh, his Paul. name. His name. His name. Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. You, yes, we know Duncan Robinson. Okay. Uh, possible all rookie. It was on all rookie team. Miami shoots the three so well with Tyler Hero and with Duncan Robinson, and and, and Butler is just a ball of fire defensively. Uh, that's just a bad matchup. Milwaukee's probably a better talented team, but uh, the Heat are going to win that, and I think Boston's going to come out of the East. I'm still sticking with the Clippers coming out of the West. And that was a great series, too. Dockage just had, when Porzingis got hurt, yeah, that just the post play, that, that he just had too much on his shoulders. and and But he fought, and that's, that's another team. I mean, you're going to look at, in the future, uh, Mavericks and Suns are going to be two teams that are really going to be challenging in the West. I know everybody says, well, the Warriors will come back. You know, Curry's ankle and, uh, again, Thompson's knee, 
those aren't injuries that are easily to come back from. So I, even though they're going to, they got the number two pick and they're probably going to get Wiseman postman from, from Memphis because they're too smart to take uh, one of the ball kids, uh, stay away from them. Uh, I, I don't think the Warriors time has passed. I think you look, I think the Lakers are looking at a two year window when LeBron yeah, goes down. I think, I think you're looking at Denver, Dallas, Phoenix, and the Clippers. And that's going to be the best of the East for the next four years. East or West? West, West. Sorry. All right. All right. Make sure. East, East is, is, although the Suns owner is very cheap. I wouldn't be shocked if he sold the team to get and moved him out East. Um, he already he's got, he already done that. he's sold, done that deal before. I mean, he's he sold our D league to Detroit and we don't even have a, now we don't even have a D league team. He just like upped and sold it. So yeah. Anyway, we won't get started on that topic because that'll get me. All right, guys. All right. Well, the, NBA, the NBA future looks real good. I didn't throw Booker. I didn't throw Dockage in there. But if you look at the young talent, a talent under the age of twenty-five, this this reminds me of the the, the early nineties when MJ came aboard and you had Drexler, you had Barkley, you had Ewing, you had LJ, uh, Larry Johnson, Grandmama. I mean, there's just some great talent across the board, and I think it's going to be a more competitive league for the next five years. I don't think you're going to see many of these three all-star teams. I know everybody's getting behind to offer lots of money to Giannis when he becomes a free agent after next year. I know Golden State and Miami is already banking money, but uh, his, his brother's on the team. I don't think you're going to see the, 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 the three stars like we did with the Heat. We'll see. Seven, we'll see with uh, the salary cap because I think it's going to probably go down with. Oh, yeah. It's definitely revenue. going down. Yeah. With That's the revenues be- down, it's going to go down. All right, I got two. I got two follow-up questions for you guys. Okay. One is, do you think there's any better player right now in the playoffs than Leonard? And the second one is, would you, if you had to pick one of these players, would you rather have Harden, Westbrook, or Chris Paul? Because right now, Chris Paul is lighting it up and he's feeling it. But all three are looking so shaky. Real? Are you talking about either prime or? No, talking about that let's start with Leonard. Is anybody better than Leonard right now? If you had to pick one player to be on your team for during the playoffs, would you pick no, anybody I'd, like, else? I'd pick Leonard right now. Uh, both ways. I think what he does defensively. Offensively, he can go through some cold stretches, and he's not that dependable three-point shooter. He's really not antithetical what you see now or what you want in an NBA star, but I think his ability to play defense, particularly, I mean, those enormous hands he has. Uh, yeah, he's he's number one, no doubt. Yeah, I think he's and he's built for the playoffs, so he's a great. Now, are we talking about the real Chris Paul? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, not uh, Alfonso. Chris Paul. Yeah, uh, you know, Chris Paul is doing this at thirty-five, and and that roster doesn't really. Uh, I, they all are very very flawed, <laughs> extremely flawed. I don't even, to me. Harden he uses his size and weight because he's six six and he's very strong and he, he, that's why he can do the post playing. But I he is the he is the ball hog of all ball hogs and that's just an ugly offense to watch. Westbrook loses it emotionally. Uh, you look at it, Oklahoma is a better team with Chris Paul than they were with with Westbrook. So I got I got to go with a broken down thirty five year old Chris Paul. Ooh. I'll say Westbrook. I like Westbrook. I like that he stuck it out in Oklahoma City after uh, Durant left. Got Paul George there, and um, I think it's just kind of a loyalty pick. I like. I, I would take him. 
and I had him on my fantasy team. He's he's actually still a fantasy keeper in my uh, fantasy basketball league. But I'll take him. Um, Harden's kind of too much of a ball hog. Not that Westbrook's not. Uh, um, and I feel like Chris Paul's too old. He's doing great right now, but he might get the you know Thunder to the next round and then just you know be a thirty-five-year-old guy, right? Like he's just gonna be. He just can't keep it up. So um, I'll say I'll say Westbrook. All right, Nate, it's your topic, man. All right, so I do want to talk about the NHL bubble if we have a chance, but my topic that I picked was uh, college football, how some star- some schools, some conferences are starting, I think, in what, two weeks maybe? No, um, this weekend. This weekend, okay. So okay, Notre Dame yeah. plays the 12th as their first game. So, yeah. um, But, you know, like the ACC, you have the, um, the SEC. All, some of the big conferences are starting to play. I think Big 12, too. Um, but then you've got on the sidelines, you've got the Big Ten, you've got the Pac-12. So I guess my question, maybe to both of you guys, is if the ACC plays all their slate of games, assuming everybody stays healthy, right? So you've got an ACC champion, the SEC. We know there's going to be probably one or two teams that are just dominant down there. Those two teams are are done, right? We come January, bowl season, right? Now you've talking about the Big Ten, the Pac-12, saying, okay, we're going to start maybe in Thanksgiving, maybe we're going to start in the spring. What do you do with that? Do you think you can have a legitimate champion where you have an ACC team, an SEC team that are sitting there waiting from their last game in early December all the way until when the Pac-12 and Big Ten finishes their season? Then do you, do you go right into it? I mean, I don't know. If you want to have a playoff, what's your best scenario to this? Now, the, other, the other easy way out is to just say AP picks the champion based on the games they visually see. But I guess if you guys had to put a playoff together, like a college football playoff, what what how would you make it work, right, with with the layoff? And, and who does that benefit? Does it benefit a team that's been sitting that's been sitting and well-rested or a team that's just coming out of the, you know, Big Ten championship game? So, anyway, Ernest, we'll let you, we'll let you put in your uh, 20 minutes worth, and then we'll go to Paul. All right, three points. One thing, the AP polls already came out and said they will rank teams that aren't playing. So Ohio State will be in top five. Uh, it's interesting that, a lot of rumors have come out the last week about starting at Thanksgiving. Even a rumor came out today, October 10th. Uh, the AD for Ohio State came out today and said, no, this is not happening. That the presidents will make the decisions, not the ADs, not the coaches. And he said he sees nothing at this point that will change the idea or concept of the season not starting until the last week in January. So I think the odds are a lot of wistful thinking. People want to start. I don't think you're going to see the Big Ten. I'd be highly surprised because their comments, and they've identified 12 guys who have underlying cardiovascular disease related to athletes that have underlying permanent cardiovascular damage to their hearts. So they're worried about liability. And, And now remember, and Paul... If I'm not correct, correct me. The president of Michigan is an epidemiologist. He is. So I I, I don't think you, know, you may have two Rose Bowls. <laughs> you may have that, but I don't. And it's interesting because I actually watched the first college game last Saturday. It was um, FCS, which is the old one double A. And the officials had to use buzzers. They couldn't use whistles because of the saliva and the, and again, they made the people sit six feet apart. And it was, 
if you watch the game, it was like watching a practice because there was no crowds. And I watched high school games where people were on top of each other in Alabama, Ohio, Indiana, Utah, North Dakota. And you would have watched those games. You would not have thought there's a pandemic going on. So I, I, I know there's a lot of pressure from a lot of people for the Big Ten to play. I don't see any movement for the Big Ten. I find it fascinating that all this pressure and rumor and comments is about the Big Ten. We've heard nothing about Pac-12. No one has said anything about the Pac-12. I think we'll see games. The American Conference is playing uh, their games this weekend. Memphis, Rice, those schools are playing, and they're on ESPN this weekend. Army's playing. Navy and BYU are playing Labor Day night. They moved that to be the Labor Day night game. So um, we're going to get a fractured. Uh, we're going to get a champion with an asterisk. The um, bowl championship. Do, do you have two championships? Do you have a fall champion? champion than a spring champion i mean how do you do that i mean do you do like a it's basically going to be what the acc versus the sec and the big 12. which is basically you know and the big 12 champion if there is one you know you could have a big 12 champ the acc champ and then two from the sec right because i mean sec ends up usually being getting the two teams in there although yeah. the georgia quarterback i think just said he's yeah, not gonna yeah newman year, so jt daniels who transferred from sc is going to be their starter he's a sophomore but do you just take the top four teams of the fall and throw a championship together? And I, then you have a fall champion, and then you have a spring champion? I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's the money. The money. A, yeah, the money. They'll, they'll have four games, four teams in there, and it's going to be the money. determining. The, another factor that's not discussed so much, Nate, and I heard a great interview with David Shaw, who is the Stanford quarterback coach, excuse me, Stanford coach. He said – if they play in the spring, they have to start by the third week in January because they have to be done by March. Right, because they un the underclassmen. Draft. Yeah, well, the underclass, not so much the, the underclassmen. If you're going to turn around and then play a season next August and start cap first of August, you got to give them a legitimate break between games, or you're endangering their health again. You can't play into April, turn around and have camp in August and start 2021 season, Labor Day weekend. There's got to be a break between the spring season right. and next season. So it's not like starting February and going to May. It's going to be a, a truncated season, and that means to me no bowls, no championship, no playoffs. They will play their games. It's fascinating the two teams that played in that FBS game that I watched Saturday – they're only playing three games. They're playing their out-of-conference games because their conference has canceled the season. And because they're playing three games now, if by chance their conference plays in the spring, they will not be able to participate. Hmm. So you think if they have to do a champion, are they just not going to have a champion overall, a national champion? Or do you think it's just an AP picks what they, the best of the team that they saw in the fall and the best of the teams that are in the spring and they make the call of, hey – we think based on the body of work that, you know, I can't say Michigan because that's, that's, that we're all going to laugh, but let's just say they say uh, Ohio state is, you know, they look the best in their games against the big 10 or they say, Oh, but Alabama looked good in sec. So do we say it's a tied split or do we say like, okay, based on the body of work, we're going to say Alabama's one, Ohio state's two. Um, and they just do that at the beginning, at the end of the um, spring I, I, season. I, Nate, I would, 
would say that unless the conference approves a season starting, they're not going to let an Ohio State team that has not played participate in a bowl championship series that starts the first week in January. Look at Nebraska. They wanted to go ahead and play out of that, and the Big Ten commissioner said, if you play any games, you're out of the conference, and you miss that $52 million you get from us every year. So if they do a football championship series and you're starting New Year's Day, New Year's Eve with a championship game 10 days afterwards and the Big Ten's not starting their season to the third week, there'll be no Big Ten teams in the championship. It'll be two SEC teams, whoever wins the ACC and whoever wins the Big 12. Big 12, yeah. Yeah, that'll be your four teams. And they'll feel like that is a legitimate representation. Remember the three teams, the three schools that voted against postponing the season for the uh, the Big Twelve, Big Ten were Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska. The three teams, probably other than Penn State, would have been your highly rated teams. They probably generate more revenue than any other schools do from football outside of Michigan. Yep, Paul, what do you think? What do you think on all this? Nate, what I'm thinking is it just doesn't feel like football around here. And my wife teaches at the public schools here, and she was told that we're going to stay virtual teaching until the rate of COVID tests that come back positive are 3% or less. Right now they're running 6 to 7%. And Ernest is right. The president of University of Michigan is an expert on infectious diseases, and he does not want to take a chance. His regents are a bunch of lawyers. They're not going to go for it. And it really feels sad around here, and to a point where we could care less about the national championship. That being said is, the, the last 10 years should teach all of us football. I thought you were thinking about the national championship anyway. Well, that's, Sorry. I was getting there. <laughs> Thanks, man. I was getting there. I was going to do a mea copa. I mean, if you look at the last 10 years, Big Ten doesn't win unless Ohio State. So the reality that Michigan is going to get a chance of it was a pipe dream. And uh, we don't have a proven quarterback, uh, and Harbaugh doesn't know how to coach against Ohio State, although this year he looked like he was having his plan a little better organized. Um, I did miss that first football game last weekend. Ernest, what TV channel was that on, by the way, the Austin P? ESPN. ESPN. It was on 9 o'clock Saturday. So let me ask you guys, every year now, because I have AT&T, I upgrade my programming for the football season. And when the football season's over, or maybe after March Madness, I downgrade it again to save some money. Should I upgrade it now? Is it worth it now considering so much football is not going to be played? Yeah, there's going to be SEC football. There's going to be ACC football. There's going to be Big 12. I don't, you won't get as many games, but now you'll get the one game of the week on uh, SEC game of the week on uh, CBS stations. That's normal, right. Yeah, but legitimately, if you want to see all the other games, if you want to see more than a 3.30 game on Saturday, you got to upgrade. I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, Oklahoma, those are exciting teams to watch. Then my question to Nate is, Nate, do you really think that any team is going to make it through the whole year without having a lot of controversy, like some of their players are going to get COVID? I just can't believe unless they lie about it, that every team is going to stay immune from COVID. I just think we I can't mean, outthink I, it. I don't know how you, how you do that. I think let's talk about what, a, what happens if it's the night before a big game. Let's just say it's Notre Dame-Clemson, right? And I'm just throwing this out there. 
let's just say the Clemson quarterback gets sick, Trevor Lawrence, right? He gets it on Thursday or Friday, right? And there's like, there's no way we're going to be able to prep the backup to do this. Do they actually come out and say, oh, Trevor Lawrence is out for the game? Or do they try to let him start and see how he does? You know, because it's such a big matchup against Notre Dame. I'm just saying Notre Dame, right? Because I'm thinking of the biggest ACC game of the year. Like, I don't know what you do. Like, if he says, hey, I feel good, but he's got symptoms, but he's good enough to play, you know, like, kind of like how guys would play with injuries because it meant so much. I mean, or if the team got exposed, they just forfeit the game against Notre Dame, right? Like, they don't want to have to forfeit it, right? So, I I don't know. I, I really would hope that that's not going to be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. I think some of these teams are just just their mentality of they got to win and especially in a shortened season where every game is going to make a difference, especially if it's going to be ACC versus SEC in the national championship. I don't know. I would, I think, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some teams that kind of get, try to get away with what they can. I'm not saying all of them would be, but you know, if it comes down to, Hey, somebody's going to win, you know, this, this is going to be a reason why we don't make it to a national championship game. We don't make it to the conference championship game. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how far some coaches are willing to go with their teams. Uh, that being said, I think overall, I don't think anybody's going to get away with not having one player at least get COVID. Um, it's just going to be how they adapt to it, how the athletic department adapts to it, right? Like one guy gets it, you know, how many people on the team do they just say, okay, the next two games we postpone or we just forfeit um, to do the 14-day quarantine, well, I, I would know. just say that there's a lot of angry Big Ten fans because we wanted football. And to have the different conferences sort of make offhand remarks like, oh, you guys, you know, you should have gone ahead with the season or we're down here, we don't have it. And I feel like saying, man, you don't have it yet. Don't, you know, be careful now. You know, it, you might be thinking you don't have to worry about it. But so far... Every time a state has tried to ignore it, it's come back to bite them. And Ernest, part of your job is to test people, right? Yes, correct. And so I'm down in North Carolina, Carolina yeah. So what numbers are you seeing in North Carolina? Uh, we have a. I'm actually at a county which have an epicenter. Uh, we basically have right now we're we're getting a 15 percent positive rate in Robson County where I work, which was third highest in the state. And the state average is five percent. But now let me throw this up to kind of answer a little bit of Nate's questions. Some schools, and by some schools, I'm talking about the school he roots for and the school I root for. Notre Dame and Carolina have gone to remote. And there's no students on campus. So they have put all the players in a bubble. And I think that's what you're going to see retroactively. After we get some canceled games, you're going to see some of the coaches say, can we get permission for the kids to attend classes remotely and we'll keep all the guys in athletic dorms and we'll keep them all together. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a matter of, you know, they're in college, right? They're going to have to, you know, they got a lot of testosterone flying around. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be hard for them to, I mean, I think that's the hard part about it. And that's why some are dropping out already. LSU's had six guys drop out already. But it, during a regular season, I mean, these guys, they start winning, you know, eight games, 10 games, right? Like, they want to go celebrate with the student body. I don't think keeping them in the – if they keep them in a dorm bubble, I don't think it's going to happen. They're still going to sneak out. I mean, they're college kids. That's, you know – But we're at a point crazy. where we're, we're reducing exposure. There is no way that – you know, the bubble is a phrase that we've used with the NBA, but they had positive 
they had positive tests. You're going to have positive tests. But I think if you reduce exposure, you're going to do that. And, and, and Nate, about a player getting sick before a game, uh, the whole team will be pulled. You know, unless that player's been in a phone booth, if one shows up and gets a positive test, then you're going to see like you do baseball. They're going to shut down the game. How many weeks and into we- the season before you think that's going to happen? First or second week. Wow. Uh, I think you're going to see more of that at the beginning. And now they've put themselves by pushing the seasons back three weeks. SEC's pushed back their season three weeks. ACC's pushed back their season two weeks. Uh, Big 12's pushed theirs back two weeks also. By doing that, there's no wiggle room because the SEC championship is the Saturday before Christmas. So it's not like at the end of the season you can reschedule and play that game. If you have right. a hurricane, end, yeah, yeah. if you have a hurricane come through Texas or Florida, which has happened already, and you have to cancel, you'll cancel games. You won't reschedule games. It'd be like baseball. Not everybody will play the total number of games, and it's going to be your winning percentage. But hey, folks, we already know it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, we know that. It's just a question whether it's going to be Georgia or Florida for that fourth position. So we know who's going to be there. There's a lot of angst and sturm right now. We're sitting worrying about who's going to play all their games. Dudes, I know three of the teams, and I can pretty much tell you two teams will be that fourth team. Mm-hmm. Bank, bank the house. We know we know Clemson and Alabama's there, right? We're in agreement? Yep. And I we're pretty so. sure Oklahoma's coming out of the Big 12. What right? about Notre Dame? If Notre Dame plays Clemson close. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, it could be Notre Dame, Florida, or Georgia. It could be one of those three schools. But th- that's, that's I mean, uh, for four positions, we have five teams, six teams, that we know of. So we're worried about this team going to play that team. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt loses two games. Are we really, I mean, they just want the TV money. It, we're doing this for the TV money. That's what this is all being done. You can talk about the integrity of these young people and their opportunity to shine and push their draft status. Uh, it ain't. It's t- TV money paying that $7 million salary that Saban's getting. Okay? That's what this is all about. And about players dropping out, Nate, you know, too, it's the old Jerry Seinfeld line. We root for uniforms. I mean, right now, could you name the starting lineup for Notre Dame? Most people can't. We we're well, I, can the, say, I can name like Ian Book. I mean, I can name some of those guys, but I could I name okay. the whole thing now. But we're the one percent. We're the so-called experts. The average fan can't name two players on the team he roots for. They root for their uniform. You root for Notre Dame. I root for right. Carolina. Paul roots for uh, Michigan. No matter who's there, even though he threw off on a quarterback who happens to be the youngest brother of the great running back for the Panthers, McCaffrey. But we'll <laughs> go that from a different subject. Most people don't know that. Most people don't know outside of Trevor Lawrence and the kid Ohio State who the Heisman Trophy candidates are. But right. they root for the uniforms, so well, they they're gonna root, they're gonna watch college football. You talk about uniforms, so that brings up my topic that I brought to the podcast tonight. Um, on ESPN, they have article about behind the scenes of the investor push to change the Washington football team's name. We all know that the Redskins is not a politically, socially acceptable name anymore. And the article is on ESPN, and it shows a picture of a seat in the stadium with the traditional iconic logo on the seat. And it made me think, would you guys buy a 
stadium seat that had the Washington Redskins logo on it. And I'll start off the bat. Yes, I would. I agree going forward it's not appropriate, but that is so iconic NFL. And if I didn't if I had my choice of, you know, I wouldn't even buy a Lions one. I would want a Bears or a, a Packers or one of the key or Chargers or uh, the uh, Chiefs. Um, those are all iconic and I would love to have some seats. And occasionally you see it on eBay or a marketplace where guys are selling stadium seats, authentic stadium seats. So the question is would you buy a Washington Redskins stadium football seat? And second, if you didn't buy that one, which one would you want, Nate? So I, I wouldn't want the Redskins one just because I don't really care for the Redskins. Um, it's not that I have anything against the logo. I think they have a lot of tradition. But I think personally, if I saw that up for auction, I'd let somebody that was like a diehard Redskins fan, right? Somebody that was there, you know, saw them win the Super Bowls, uh, grew up with them. Like, I'd kind of leave it for them. I just, I wouldn't have the heart for it. I think there would be other things I'd want to get. That being said, um, the Cardinals are kind of almost too new to have anything like that. I think they were in 1994 or something that came to Arizona, 1988 maybe. Um, So I think I would probably want like a Buffalo Bills one. That's the team I kind of grew up watching before the Cardinals were kind of relevant on TV every week and I could see them. Um, I was a big Bills fan, so I'd probably want a Bills stadium. I think that would Don't be the one. I get what you're field? saying. I do. I got a chunk of their turf. They were selling at the New Era Field, so I got that, framed it with the little plaque and little authentication thing and a picture of the stadium, so that's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, I think I guess I would go with them. I, I, I like what you're saying about the Packers or something like that. Like, I think if you had one of the original teams that have a storied franchise, those would be cool too. But me personally, I think I'd want a team that I kind of have some kind of connection with, which is at the time, you know, as of this podcast would be the Bills because, you know, they have more of a franchise than a longer franchise history than the Cardinals. But I think, you know, when I'm really old, if the Cardinals get a new stadium, if they want to, they want a Super Bowl in that stadium or something, um, that would, that that would mean a lot too. So I guess I would say the Bills. So I don't don't know, Ernest, what, what are your thoughts? Well, see, I'm so old that I remember RFK stadiums. That was really the Redskins stadium. Sonny Jergeson, Billy Kilmer, George Allen. Uh, I'm not a Redskins fan. And, and, and uh, again, Christmas time is coming. Paul, hint, hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> if it can be a piece of an old stadium, you can phrase it that way. I mean, you know, it would be nice to have some of the frozen tundra of Lambert Field. But, but it, it, the old Carolina stadium uh, at Carmichael, the the stadium was so low they didn't have a scoreboard so in the corners the scoreboard was a flip chart and i remember as a kid that was the neatest thing i mean when you turned on the game you knew you were watching carolina so i'd like to have the old flip chart scoreboard dad in the corners of carmichael that's i was about the university not the Panthers. yeah the tar heels yes yes i'm about tar heels the old basketball court carmichael the old flip chart i you know our stadiums have four names already, and and they're getting ready to close it down because the new owner wants big stadium with big luxury suites. So we're about to get a new stadium down here, uh, something that'll help is something for his soccer team more than for the football team. But uh, if we're talking about iconic part of an old stadium, give me the flip chart from Carmichael, Carolina Tar Heels. That's a cool thing to pick. Yeah. If I was a Red Sox fan, I'd want one of the scoreboard numbers from the. That would be cool. From the yeah. big wall, yeah. from the green monster, that would be cool. I don't want any of uh, Martinez's um, 
uh, bodily fluids on it, but I, I want the, <laughs> I want the numbers because uh, he used to go back there and relieve himself quite often. So how about what about from old Yankee Stadium? Like part of I don't know the the, the grass, the dirt would have been nice. Something from the the flagpole that used to be in the field. Something from around the monuments that would have been nice. See, and I don't like the Yankees at all, but I would want a piece of that. I think the history of that would just be. Oh yeah, that's. I, the, I would want it for the history, even though I'd be like, like, I'd never root for the Yankees. That would be. I mean, I have I have a lot of respect for Yankees fans. They they're very well informed. They know what they're talking about. The Yankees have a ton of history. As a baseball fan, I would want it. I mean, right. dirt, dirt. The, the, yeah. the Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth and and the the Giants played there up until 1970. The football team played in Yankee Stadium. They used to have a bowl, have a ball game again now, but big fights. Ali, uh, George Shavano fought there. I mean, there's, there's always big boxing fights. The Pope in the 60s came here. One of the, the Beatles next to last concert, the last concert was in Frisco, was in Yankee Stadium. So, I mean, that's that stadium is so iconic for not just the baseball team, but for other events. like Kind of like the LA Coliseum is, is kind of like where you also would two Olympics and soon to be a third olympic there all right guys we're coming up on our wrap-up time and so ernest you're two good minutes to wrap up the podcast uh a uh, lot of losses and i i noted them early uh, john thompson of course is is someone that you know when he was coaching i thought it was part of the, the evil empire but 97 of his players graduated he was georgetown. Uh, good, he had georgetown big friend of dean smith and when they played in the 92 championship, Fred Brown threw the ball to James Worthy to seal up that game. He, he came as volcanic, but he always supported his players. He always had his players back. Uh, Clifford Robson, Uncle Cliffy, played for the Portland Trailblazers more than anybody else, always known about his headband, uh, lost him this week. And uh, one that floored me, and I know floored a lot of us, Chadwick Bosman, who's actually from – Orangeburg, South Carolina. Uh, he graduated from TL Hannah High. Uh, fascinating young actor who, to us 30, he actually got into working at Howard. It was a class taught by Felice Rashad, Felice Rashad, who he wanted to go to a school in England. She said, let me call some friends for the tuition. She called Denzel Washington. Denzel paid for him to go to an acting school in England. And, and we know him as Black Panther, Wakanda forever. And as, as, as uh, Jackie Robinson in 42 yeah. did a fantastic job as, as James Brown and get on up. And it's one of those acting jobs, which he physically does not resemble James Brown, but was able to capture his spirit. And it's interesting that he, he suffered and took treatment for almost four years and never told anybody. He, he feels so much, in that four years, the Avengers movies, the other movies he's in, uh, the Five Bloods, which was in Net, uh, Netflix, a Langston Hughes movie he's got coming out Netflix in about a month, and it's it just struck me about all you know we I talk about the low grade depression that we've all been in the last since March, and here's a young man that knew his time was limited, and packed so much in it and so much goodwill that he inspired. It, it reminds me, and I'm going to go quote from Lord of the Rings. There's a section Lord of the Rings when uh, one of the characters is talking about all the bad things that happened. And Gandalf, uh, the gray wizard, 
basically tells them that all that live in such times despair, despair like we do right now. But what we need to remember is all we have is to decide what to do with the time we have. And I think that's particularly true. We get caught up in the ennui and depression of 2020, and we talk about such a bad year is, but we're not promised tomorrow. Can't do anything about yesterday. All we get to do and decide is what we're going to do with today and the next day if we're given it. So I think you can draw inspiration from people that uh, tragic loss, uh, all three of those gentlemen, but they all made their marks. And even though they're not here, the spirit of their work and their influence will continue many, many years. Well said. Well said, Ernest. And Ernest had a for a tough week. He got hit by a car, clipped by a car on the knee when he was trying to give tests for COVID and still was a good enough guy to help the guy with his test even after he hit his knee. So, Ernest, I know you're trying to live it out too. So, Nate, what's your two minutes? All right, I'll try to think of something more uplifting. I've already made a mention of this on my old podcast, or my other podcast, Trumbull Dads. Um, but we want to say congratulations to Paul, our host, because his daughter was married last weekend in um, Michigan. We got to be a part of it. And uh, so anyway, congratulations to Kelly and Jared and, of course, to Paul, the father of the bride. He raised a very um, beautiful and well-educated young lady. She's uh, just a class act. We really liked her. My kids love her. So anyway, we just wanted to say congrats to Paul on that. And that's it. So I wanted to give something uplifting. So Well, appreciate that, Nate. Does that have anything to do that I paid for the last round at New Holland Brewery the night before the wedding? Oh, well, that definitely helped. That definitely helped. That was a, that was a great time getting to getting to try that i've my brother-in-law has uh, always told me about new holland and the dragon's milk uh stout beer i got to try it uh on tap which was fantastic you get a chance holland michigan really really good so but yes yes paul that, that kind of factored in a little bit but i still would <laughs> yeah and my last minute is the night before your daughter's wedding do not eat 14 wings by yourself at quarter to 11 uh it's not it it sort of sits there for a while so I want to wrap this up for Ernest Watts, Nate Moyer. This is Paul Arnold. Thanks for listening to Part of the Confusion. You can also hear us on sportscountry.net, where over 500 people listened to us this last week. And so we're hoping that number is going to grow. And then also you can email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. Tell us what you think, ideas, thoughts, and you may even be a guest host. Who knows? So for these guys, have a good night. <laughs>